listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 32 of Cinemental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother sit here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting her at the same time. Kill her, Mommy! Kill her! We'll tear your soul apart! I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest today has worked in and around the comics industry for, well, let's just say a long time. He's a creative director, letterer, book designer, pretty much every possible job in the art of publishing. He's worked for DC, Blizzard Entertainment, Netflix, MTV, AMC Networks, and Image Comics. Besides all the work he does for us here at Printed in Blood... His most recent work is visible in the recent relaunch of the series Nailbiter and will be next available in the new Image comic series, Crossover. John J. Hill, welcome to Cinemental. Hey, man. How you doing? Good to see you guys. <laughs> like, like we don't see each other and talk to each other all the goddamn time. Man. So it's like, oh, oh nice to it's see you so again. Long. It's been so long. You know, I talked to him like three times today. <laughs> Just so we don't keep John up until uh, you know the roosters crow, we will uh, we will go ahead and jump right into news that gives us fits. So, so apparently, in the Oklahoma County Jail, baby shark was used to torture inmates. And uh, it was song was played on a continuous loop for hours as four inmates were handcuffed to a wall and forced to stand. <laughs> uh, so now three former officers at the Oklahoma County Jail have since been charged with misdemeanor counts of cruelty to a prisoner oh and conspiracy. <laughs> How the hell did well, you come across that? Song than Baby Shark. <laughs> What's that like? I can think of a worse song to play on repeat than Baby Shark, but that's, oh, that, yeah. I mean that's that's pretty oh, bad. I'm bad pretty too. sure. Isn't all there a stuff. isn't there a SNL skit? Uh, uh, yeah, with um uh, Helen Hunt, and she she corners a uh, Hanson in a uh, in an elevator, and, and then and then locks it and then plays Umbop until they all until the three of them pass out. That's oh, the whole skit. Okay. That's that's great. <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Umbob would have been worse than Baby Shark, I think. <laughs> those guys were just those guys are just thieves. Yeah, but Umbop is actually a whole song, whereas Baby Shark is really only like a minute and a half long. Well, maybe two if you go all the way to Grandmother, but it's uh, yeah, it's just. I think that shot song, that shot, 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 shot. I mean. I would kill myself before listening to that eight times. I don't even know what the hell that is. What like is that? It's a club that? song. It's a club song by um Somebody Awful? Somebody Awful. <laughs> by LMFAO. Oh, okay. Them I know. I don't I don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's just it's very repetitive. Or like who who let the dogs out? I mean, something oh, well. that just has like no no subtlety and is loud. Which is, <laughs> I mean, that's you know, fair. You know who let the dogs out after the second verse? You know, you don't yeah. need to. Hear <laughs> or who should have let the dogs out? Yeah, they, exactly. They've now pissed all over the carpet. And uh, in case anyone out there that was not aware, there is a there is a brilliant four hour documentary on Shutter currently called In Search of Darkness, which is all about eighties horror films. Oh, and wow. and there is now a new part two coming out, which I can only hope is another four hours, uh, which is uh, going to be out in December. So uh, if you're listening and you didn't know about this, you can go to their website and actually uh, pre-order a copy. And uh, if you haven't watched it and you're a horror fan, it is uh, definitely destination viewing. Are they past the uh, the $1,000 to become a... Um, producer stage i think the last time i looked at the the site that's they that's have they had, those are the four well there's four available there's uh there's one that's like 69.95 which i think is like they're just their base level one and then they have associate producer mm-hmm. producer and executive producer and that's like 3500 six grand and 10 grand or something like that yeah but that that yeah that first movie long. was just that was just it was so much fun to watch and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to and or want to, but uh, Enola Holmes on Netflix with Millie Bobby Brown. Yep. Absolutely delightful. What just really great. Cavill is awesome as Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I, the movie's clearly not about him, you know, so he doesn't, but he does do, you know, his character obviously still has to do some minor bit of detecting, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, she's, She's going to have she's going to be a fun actress to watch grow up just like in the roles that she takes and the stuff that she does. Oh, I is that what she it's speaks about? more than she speaks more than three lines. Well, very true. <laughs> Cuz uh, uh everything in Stranger Things was all physical. Yeah, you, know, well, you could tell she's a good actress just by physical cuz she didn't she didn't have a lot of lines to express yeah. herself with. Not till the second. I mean, she's talked more in second and third seasons. I mean, yeah, the first season she didn't have to say much. But uh, well, I thought like, it was about uh, Sherlock Holmes bombing Japan. Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, I'm wrong. I'm way off. Maybe, oh, maybe, never mind. Never mind. Might, I, I'm way off. I'm. Ah, that's an obscure one. Uh, <laughs> that's never an mind. Obscure one. Never mind. It's about her brother. Eno- it's about her brother, Enola Ray. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. That's better than mine. <laughs> Uh, that was an orchestral maneuver in the dark, Steve. Very, very. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> now we're so far tangential that, uh, you know, we're yeah. in 2D space instead of 3D space. Yeah, well, it was a light week. So, uh, John's pick for feature film tonight, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. 
Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. Anyone in close proximity has the same dream. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? From 1987, directed by well, John Carpenter, with a running time of 102 minutes, a group of college research students are brought in to help investigate a mysterious cylinder discovered in the basement of an old church. However, once they discover the truth behind the artifact, will they be too late to do anything about it? Or, Dr. Loomis, who is now a priest, asks his old buddy Egg Shen to enlist his grad students, who include Wang and A.J. Simon, to investigate a bucket of goo he finds in an old church. <laughs> I didn't send that to you. How did you find that summer? <laughs> John, what what is it about Prince of Darkness? Well, you're a huge Carpenter fan, just like me. Yes. And uh, I think this movie is kind of his, this is his apex, in my opinion. Um, I think he kind of just took everything that he had done over the years and took the bits and pieces that he had mastered and put it into this film. And I, for some reason over the years, I always had a soft spot for this movie, but I never really understood why. Like I saw it in the theater when it first came out and, you know, I really, I don't think I really knew what to think because I remember the ad campaign was all over the place and it didn't, didn't really sell the movie for what it was. But I remember seeing Halloween you know, Christine, all those movies growing up. And there was something about his movies that were different, but I never could put my finger on it. And over the years watching Prince of Darkness, you know, multiple times, I realized that it was the music. It's John doing his own music and getting the beats the way he wanted them to be, both visually and with the music, was what I noticed as a little kid. The Halloween theme, Escape from New York, you know stuff like that. It's like those the the music. You know when when you when you see the, when you see a, a still from those movies, you immediately hear the theme, or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Prince of Darkness. That whole intro, the long intro with the long credits, just yeah. the dreadful music. And I don't mean dreadful as, as in bad. It's just right. the, the <laughs> dread filling. The, the entire movie just has this, this feeling of dread to it. And it's everything about the movie that John put into it. It just, it, it fulfills that, that dread that it puts into you. It's the music. It's the cinematography. It's the lenses he used in this movie are different. If you go back and you look at his other movies, they're not it's it's not quite the same like the depth of field is very different in this and i think it you know it has to do with the dealing with astrophysics and all this other crazy stuff i think he wanted to give it a, like a, a more of an ethereal feel but this movie like i said it just for me it takes one of my favorite directors if not my favorite director and and you get to see a snapshot of, of him at his prime taking all these little bits and pieces that he's done over the years and putting it all into one film uh, with a really 
weird cast. <laughs> it's like a bunch of people he's worked with before. And then a couple of people, it's like, why, why was this person cast? But it, but it works. So anyway, long story short, you know, just, this is just, I, I never realized this was, this was my favorite film for a long time. My favorite film changes a lot. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You know, every couple of years, it's like, "Eh, you know what? This is actually my favorite film. I knew this was my favorite film in the back of my mind, just because I had that, that feeling that it was like something about this movie's different. Um, But I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago. You know, it was like, I was bouncing around between evil dead and blade runner and, you know, all these other movies, but last couple of years right. this just kind of bubbled up to the the forefront for me uh would you say that you and alice cooper yeah and alice cooper <laughs> and would alice. you would you say would you think that you've seen this movie more than any other no because i'm weird about movies that i like i try not to i try okay. not to watch those movies that often because i don't want to get sick of them i can't watch them i okay. can't watch a movie that i really really like more than every two or three years max do you have a movie? No, exactly you, what you mean. Do you have any movie that you can think of that you can watch over and over and over and over again and never get sick of? Um, Gangs of New York. Oh, man. oh, okay. But that's a that's that's a weird one because I really like that movie, but for some reason, I can watch that movie over and over. Right, and you don't have to worry about no, getting sick no. of it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm always curious about that just because I have, I have one or two films like that, that I can watch. I mean, one, I, one, I I can name off the top of my head and I've mentioned it here on the show before that I can watch literally start to finish over and over again. I never get sick of it. It, I, nothing about it. I ever get tired of it's obscure enough that I can quote it day and night. And people generally don't know what I'm talking about. And that's tequila sunrise with uh, Mel Gibson and Kurt Russell and Michelle Pfeiffer. I just I I don't know what it is about that movie, but I can just I can watch that movie all day long and never ever get sick of it. And I, you know, I mean, to this day, I I'll I'll be somewhere and I'll just be like, I caught you. I can't. You can't pretend you're not caught. And and people have no idea that I'm quoting a movie. They just they have no clue. You know, just but. I digress. Um, so it's funny you mentioned visuals. Uh, this was John's first film with Gary Kibbe as his DP. Uh, who would go on to DP almost everything else he did after this. He stuck with him after, you know, he's, a lot of his earlier films he's done with Dean Cundy. And then he started working with Gary Kibbe. And, and like you said, it might just be a, a point of, there was just a, a, some kind of synchronicity between him and Gary, where Gary could visualize what John was trying to tell him and put it on film exactly the way John saw it in his yeah. head. One of the things I found, looking into this was, you know, the film was shot for $3 million, uh, which in and of itself is amazing. Whoa. whoa, whoa. This movie was shot for $3 million. This was, this was, this was John's return to indie filmmaking after Starman and big trouble. All right. That changes, that changes a lot of things actually. (laughs) And, and the thing was, is he said this film was the, his, of all of his films that he did, because he knew he was shooting on such a tight budget and he planned out everything meticulously in advance. He shot this film in just over 30 days. Also, there was no time to be spared. There was not a lot of, he said there was not a lot of extra takes. 
he went in. He got exactly what he wanted from the first try. What are you doing? You've been black-headed, Steve. Apparently, I've been black-headed. I don't even know what I did. I can't deal with it. <laughs> I can't deal with I it. I can't deal with the facts. Uh, $3 million in 30 days to, to direct it. And he's, yeah, and, and he's, I'm with you, buddy. We can hold hands over Zoom if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, he said that he had everything planned out in such a manner. He said, this movie is the closest film of all the films he's done. This film is the closest to the to the to what he saw in his mind's eye before he made it to its actual realization on film which is pretty which is pretty interesting when you think about the, what he's done and what he's you know managed to put out over the years that this that this is the movie that he was visualized it this way and nailed it and you know because he had to i didn't see this movie right away uh this was not an early carpenter view for me I didn't see it until later on and uh, probably probably in my 20s. See, 87, I would have been, what, 19? So I'm sure it was either my 20s or 30s, early 30s, maybe before I saw it. And um, I remember the first time I saw it, I wasn't, I think I was probably expecting something else. And I just saw it and I was just kind of like, okay, eh, it's, it's cool. But it, it, I didn't, I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate the buildup and what he was and what we, what he was actually giving us. Uh, it wasn't until now after viewing it, I actually watched this movie earlier this year uh, and I was debating whether or not I should watch it again. And I'm glad I did. Uh, Cause after reading up about it a bunch, I was then able to watch for other things in the movie that I had never seen before. And I was like, how the fuck did I miss that? You know, I mean, you watch this movie, you know, anyone can watch a movie and miss things, but it just seems like there's some things that are so, I mean, there's one thing that they showed me, like literally they put in front of my eyes four or five times during the course of the movie. And yet somehow I was still able to completely miss it. What's that? When every time someone would look at the sky and they would see the sun and the upturned moon above it, which is a nod to 2001. Huh. I mean, I saw them. I saw the moon, but. The sun and moon in alignment together above with the moon in alignment above the sun. That's a, a, a direct homage to 2001. He said as much. But how does it relate to the story? I'm confused. I don't know that it does other than the fact that that was the symbol that, that at the time that was going to be the evolution. There was a sign of the evolution happening like above the monolith for the apes. And then also later on for when the star child comes in 2001 you see that and it's you know it's 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 an evolutionary step is taken at each point in 2001 when that takes place and i don't think necessarily that in this film an evolutionary step is is taken or necessarily foretold but i think definitely they're trying to tell you about this thing coming to you know coming around okay okay anyway my favorite shot of this movie is you know after you know after we we go through we go through the process of everyone getting there, meeting everyone, everyone getting there, finding, you know, getting the whole, the whole spiel from, from the priest and everyone being people of science. And, you know, the, the, the mixing of science and religion in this movie are, are, is a lot of fun. Uh, just from the fact that obviously those two worlds generally as a rule, don't mix too well together. I liked what he did here. I liked the, the ways he played off. He didn't go too deep into it, which is fine. I don't think he needs to. I don't think he needs to Shane Carruth this. 
but uh, I do like the the sort of little bits and pieces that he does throw in there. There's a couple of obviously factual things that are just completely way off base, and that's fine. I don't. It's a horror movie, and it's you know it, no one needs to dig deep into the science and and think you know oh that's not you can't carbon date metal. Come on, mm-hmm. what, who needs that? Anyway, the the scene that really sticks out to me is the is the after after uh, the priest throws the axe into the mirror and to close the gate after. Catherine has tackled Susan anti-God through the, through the mirror and that shot, it's really fast, but the shot from the other side with her and it's her reaching reaching toward and the way she's lit for a split second before the light goes out, it's hands down the creepiest shot in the entire Mm -hmm. film. And, uh, I just I, that all every single time I see it, that just it gives me a little chill, and it always stands out. That that shot will will forever be in, in the top of my like, giving me chills just because knowing. And it's not just the actual physical scene itself. It's not like it's not like the, the chill you get from the scene in Exorcist Three, where you can walk into that and just be completely blown away. It's because you know exactly what the light going out symbolizes and how now that the, she's gone, that's it. The door is closed. That's where she is. You know, you know, obviously you get a little bit of a payoff at the very end. Spoiler alert. Uh, but even still, I mean, I don't think, I don't really think that he gives you a whole lot at the end to wrap anything up anyway. You know, you know, clearly that, that was supposed to be the, the future of 1999 at the time. Uh, which was going to be, you know, when the next time Satan came back, uh, which do you think it's um, it's it's the fact that she was reaching for the door that makes it psychologically creepier than I mean, absolutely. She was there, the fact that she was yeah. called it because it makes I mean, it's made to appear as if she was trying to get back. You know, that yeah. she was she did what she did, but she was going back and she was reaching back for the light again. Yeah. And fucking Pleasance just just fucking shut the door on her from behind a from behind a wall you know like he was behind what was he behind a partition it was like an old furnace or something yeah Yeah, and he just stuck his head out and then destroyed the you know i can't blame him he's a soldier of god he did what he's supposed to do but still very and very and very frightened wasn't he pushed and trapped behind it for a while? Yep. Yeah, well, that was what, yeah. She she moved it over and kind of trapped him behind. That's why he was like kind of like threw it with one arm, which no way he's throwing that axe with one arm. I'll tell you that right now. But either, <laughs> either you know, <laughs> Do, yeah. Do, Dr. Loomis. Um, <laughs> Who is very Loomis but, uh, in, this, in this film. And we can talk about where this lands on the, uh, the list of Carpenter, in the world of Carpenter later on. But I have grown to really like this movie a lot from a time when, when watching it, I didn't, I didn't ever really look forward to watching it. And, uh, and I've, I've really come around to actually enjoying watching this film. Um, Hassan? I saw this movie years and years ago with my uncle. My uncle is a huge horror buff and he brought the movie to myself and my mother to show us. Cause he was really enthusiastic about it. He really, he really loved the film. I didn't understand it then. You know, I, I understood like, crazy zombies in the, in the back alley and uh, you know, and then people getting consumed by bugs and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's probably as far as my brain was, uh, was, was allowing me to accept what I was seeing as a horror movie. Like I'm not, I'm not a huge horror fan. There are some things that stick out to me uh, in this film that are, that are very different from the, from the typical horror tropes. 
none of these characters is really unlikable, which is very unhorror, except for maybe Loomis, Father Loomis. Um, what about the uh, Filipino guy or whatever, or whatever he is? He's he's annoying, but he's not I mean, reprehensible. Are you, guys ta- are you guys talking about Dennis Dunn? Donnie, Dennis Dunn, yeah. He, Pretty, he's uh, Chinese. He's not uh, Filipino. <laughs> that sorry, wasn't I me. That was, like the, that was a guess. I don't know. Um, okay, so he's, he's... I don't think he's actually... He's a jerk, yeah. but he's not a morally reprehensible he's a character. He's sexist jerk the whole film. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. It was the 80s. Everybody's a sexist oh, jerk in the 80s. Okay. You're right. You're right. He's um, fun to be around. You know, when he was in trouble, he did apologize. Yes. <laughs> he apologized for... And him being Asian, telling someone else they look Asian isn't technically an insult. <laughs> you could pass for Asian. In fact, I I did spend more time than I should have trying to trying to decipher that comment. You know, it's like, is that a compliment or an insult? And I, I realized the movie was happening while I was trying to work that out and I was missing <laughs> things. So I got back to the film. But none of them, I mean, none of them are, usually you'll get this, the, the, the archetypical serious asshole, yeah. you know, the guy who's trying to fuck everybody, the, someone else who tries to fuck the entire group over when, when everybody, when the shit has hit the fan and everybody is aware, hyper aware of what's going on. There's always one person, there's always a Burke, you know, who's going to lock the door on everybody right. and try to save himself over everybody else. And then ends up getting his comeuppance, you know, uh, swiftly right after that there's none of that in this a lot of it is psychological a lot of people are taken over and then in and the spent the the film spends uh, a longer time than usual kind of examining the psychological you know repercussions of being possessed by evil you know which is very interesting a lot of that's very interesting that transition happens really fast too it's like at 40 minutes the first girl gets hit with the squirt in the mouth from the jar in the basement and it's basically within 10 or 15 minutes you have at least four or five other people who she's managed yeah, to, they're gone. She, that she's managed to to turn in some form or another and you're just like wait and wait what happened it's something it's something you would be able to do in a group full of unsuspecting people you sure. know who are all sequestered. You know, and it and it and I mean, uh, the way the the film is established, the the way the circumstances are established in the beginning of the film, everybody is kind of off their own corners, working on their own. So without any inkling that there's any danger, with the exception of the rather glaring exception of the strangely massing army of homeless people who are just <laughs> staring at the church. Which I don't care. That would have unnerved me to the point where, you know, guys, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm either calling the cops or I'm going to go home. The only, the only thing that slightly took me out of the film is how, okay, the good thing is that they all noticed it. They don't have the, you know, uh, the WSA uh, uh, affliction, right? They all kind of notice it. Then they just giggle and move on. And hmm, I don't think that's peculiar. Yeah. I don't, I'm not strange, you know, until the guy, you know, until one of their own starts talking to them, you know, full of bugs. And then, then they, <laughs> you know, then that, that gets their full attention at, appropriately at that yes. point. But even, even, uh, even the, the, the first victim, even her captivation with the, with the jar, 
is is explained it's explainable like you can it's not one of those inexplicable why would you you know what she didn't reach into it she didn't knock it over she didn't she you know she was just standing there you know marveling at it after she had done the metallurgy on it and then it just you know it happened to possess her it's not a it's not a the the scene isn't propelled by the stupidity of that character right you know and even the guy who was with her he was like, they, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, common sense even in the script. The guy's like, yeah, you want me to stay down here with you? You know, instead of him just being like callous and, you know, or, or you know, making some sexist remark to her and then she kicks him out or something like that. A lot There's a lot of horror tropes that this film just skips over. So he's like, do you want me to? And she's like, no, I'll be right there. You know, a couple of minutes. I just wanted to look at it. You know, she's got no idea of knowing that she's about to be possessed by the devil. You know, so it's it makes it's perfectly fine. The only the one thing is that Don Dennis Dunn when he sees her down the hall and he and she she's a statue, right? That's a little odd, but that's not something that you would investigate. Kind of odd. So he goes into his his little room, and the other guy says, "Have you seen you know the same? I forget the character's name." And he's like, "Oh, she's in the hallway." And he he looks. He's, he's like, "Where?" They make a. It's very Hollywood how much a, a big production they make of that because like normally it's like oh she was there a minute ago you know I don't know she's go down that hallway you know you'll find her I don't know why they they made that such a big deal he like goes and sticks well, his head out and looks and does like yeah it's like no, that's odd she was just you know, there yeah exactly it's like she she moved on she went to the bathroom I don't know you know she's she's here I've seen her she went and she's got here. a goddamn the, sandwich who cares yeah exactly. So, but the, the, all the characters seem to get along. There's not, there's not a lot of forced conflict between them. There's not, a, there's, there's not a lot of superfluous, like, character building where, like, just one of them sits down and just inexplicably goes into a story about their childhood, you know, in order to set up a foreshadow <laughs> right. of, you know. If these guys are all there. They're, you know, there's a lot of consternation about the church and what the church is meant there for. There's a lot of conflict be, between religion and science, which is, you know, which is, which explains itself. Um, the only, the, the one thing I didn't kind of, the, the, the one thing I, and I understand it's expedience. It's for the sake of expedience. They, when they start to roll out exactly what happened after she translates the, the scrolls and stuff and they're like, Oh, this is about when Jesus Christ was, a, was an alien and you know, this and that everybody's kind of quick to accept that, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, why would the church hide this? It's like, it's a book, dude. We don't know if this is true or not. It's, it's two million years old. Like, hey, you know, we, me? Why wouldn't like, they hide not, that? I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, Superman's real, by the way. You know, I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't get why they would, as scientists, why they would just read a book and then become non-skeptical. You know, they, they they're all on board with it. You know, they don't exactly know what to do with the information, which is fine. But they're all just kind of like they all take it as gospel, like immediately. But that's a nitpick. That's not a. That's not anything because you got to get to the to the point. But it was gospel. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the gospel. <laughs> and what was interesting? I got the. Hat. Well, it's interesting too. And he got he got hatted. You're part of the club. You got hatted. Um, and they sets that up at the beginning a little bit when he told when he has that first when he when he first kind of goes out for coffee with that with Catherine when he has that conversation with her about theoretical physics versus you yeah. know hard science with which what she is and he's saying how oh well well Birak wants 
wants free thinkers. He wants people to come in here and, and be, you know, not be locked down into this, into this, into this box. Right. And the rigid, and, right. Yeah, and the so I, so it. I think that it did sort of set up that the fact that the number of them there were of the mind that new ideas and, and stuff like that coming at them wouldn't just automatically be repelled. It's not a problem. Right. I don't really have a problem with it. It's just one of those things that kind of struck me. It was like, yo, these guys took this well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just going to get on with it. Like, let's just get on with it. There's some great stuff in it where, you know, Dennis Dunn was in that, stuck in that room. And then he just, he, he literally burrowed through the wall <laughs> yes. to get out. That's that kind of stuff. I, I, and I remember that as a kid. Remember, strangely enough, when I was younger, he was my favorite character. I liked him. Yeah. I didn't remember him being such an asshole. I think because Big trouble. a lot of, well, no, yes. But I think also <laughs> a lot of the ways that he was an asshole are kind of above a kid's head. You know, like right. in, in some, he's, there's a lot of subtle inflection of him being, you know, yeah. kind of, as Latham says, a morally reprehensible sexist, you know, <laughs> that as a 14 year old, for 13 or 14 year old, hopefully right. you wouldn't really understand too well, you know? Right. So, so I just liked him because he was the most animated and the most vocal. Right. So he's the one you gravitate kind of to the when funny you're younger. Guy. Yeah. And you always hope the funny guy makes it. And, and when he, <laughs> when he, he literally molded himself out of that, that uh, right through that wall. Um, I just, that that is a a memory that that stuck with me very sharply. I remember that scene, but I didn't remember it was from this movie until he got stuck in that room. And I'm like, oh, I remember this. I know how he gets out of that. You know, he's gonna be all right. I can move on. I, what, I, um, what I thought was so funny about that scene too is like they spend the entire day digging from their side. You know, and it's like, yeah. like they literally just, spend the entire day, and he spends the whole day in the room. And then as soon as like the two girls are like coming to break in, that's when he starts busting down from his side <laughs> yeah. to really want to get out. He's like, Oh, I can you blame him though? I'm just like, I'm in his closet <laughs> for eight hours. Eh, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm really thirsty. Wish there was some water, yeah. but otherwise I'm not dead. So cool. You know, and considering where we are, maybe drinking water is not the best thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So the thing that I did, there, there are little things in it that I, you know, when they when they first show up, and Alice Cooper isn't looking at them, he's hawking them. All right, it's a, it's a very different. Like there's, he's looking at them almost aggressively from across the street, and he's lined up mysteriously um, with a whole bunch of other homeless people, and they're all standing like statues, staring. There are, there are certain things in movies where people just shake that oh, homeless people around here are kind of strange, you know, no, there's something up with that. You know, I, I don't know how you would, you would normally react to something like that. I don't know if you would investigate or something, but that would be at the back of my brain the whole time. It wouldn't, it, there would be, there would not be a moment where I forgot that the homeless people are strangely lining up outside for some reason. I think the way a lot of the people are killed in this movie is, is very believable. Like the way people are just kind of separated and killed, you know, and they're killed in a manner where nobody else will know what happens to this person. So, so the, the, no one's hackles ever gets up, you know, there were no one other than the fact that there's a blatant army of people outside. That's the only, that's the only kind of X factor. Everything else is so clever. It's so cleverly laid out that 
you can understand why these people remain in the dark until the shit hits the fan. And then by then there's three or four of them are already, you know, signed on to the other team. And it, you know, it's just a matter of uh, life and death. I don't know if I, if I really loved this movie or if I didn't like it. I don't think I didn't like it. I think it was a very interesting experience to watch it. It's, it's kind of fascinating. I don't know where it is in my in my library uh but i did enjoy it i thought it was uh and i thought it was a very good movie I th- it's a it, it a lot of the hard tropes are, the, are not there i think uh carpenter does ensemble casts very well like he did with the the thing he gives every one of them something to do some of their personalities come out in in the way they interact with each other but we never go deep and you know we never go too inexplicably deep into any of these particular characters or why what their motivations are, whatever. Of course, their motivation is going to be we got to get the hell out of here as soon as things get bad. That's good. You know, you don't really have to spend a lot of time uh, being Pollyanna-ish if, uh, on someone's childhood. That's one thing Carpenter is really good at is not developing characters any more than he needs to. He doesn't waste, and that's, he doesn't waste any time. Right. And that's very present. Yeah. In this, yeah. you know, just just as it is in in the thing, a lot of some of his other movies don't re, don't re, revolve around that many people, except for maybe Ghost of Mars, which is an outlier, which won't we won't get too <laughs> deeply into. Um, a lot of his movies don't re, uh, rely on a, a huge ensemble cast like this and like right. the thing. Like you have Precinct Thirteen, which is a couple of people. You've got a. Uh, You've got Big Trouble Little China, which is Jack and, and uh, you know, Dennis Dunn and Egg Chen. And that's about it, you know. And then there's a whole bunch of other nameless people. Uh, so did I, I didn't do it again, right? No. I'm still, okay. You're still here. Stop laughing at me. I'm, Stop. I'm, I'm, I'm getting paranoid. <laughs> you guys are making me paranoid. <laughs> You're on a minute and a half of coherence. Keep it going. Yeah, I'm you, Steve. Uh, good movie. I liked it. It's Latham's turn. <laughs> and, 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 and look, here, back here behind me is the doorway. <laughs> he's he's oh. back. <laughs> Do you think, wait, hold on. Do you uh. think, is, is, is the ending set up to, to, that, that he may be able to use his mirror to reach out to her? Or That's a great question. I, no, wow! I'm just I'm in the in the motion of of in the spirit of the film, Latham. Not not logically, of course. Of course, it's a trope that's okay. set up for the end. I'm just saying, I'm just speculating because that is the most dynamic aspect of the film. Of course, he sees her in the church. It, the 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 mysterious black figure in the church right. is replaced by her, right. which could mean that she's now the devil. You know, or you know, there's a lot of possibilities. Right. So I was just. But I'll, 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 or that she's there, or that she's going to be there waiting in 1999. All right, Lay, go ahead. Sit closer to the mic. Okay. There you go. The important thing to remember here is that John has picked this film because it is important to John and he really likes it and it has made an this impact is, on his life. This is a preamble. to remember that <laughs> because. We really need to remember that before I start talking here. I don't know where to begin. I feel after listening to you three that I watched a different film. Uh, where do I start? Do I start with the few good things I have or the list, the other list? Let's start with the other list. 
I don't enjoy watching scripts that are thrown together with pieces of good ideas that never connect. I feel like John Carpenter had a library of like strange phenomena books, kind of like I had in the 80s of UFOs and the devil and spontaneous human combustion and uh, quantum physics and whatever. And he just like pulled every book out and found one interesting thing and said, let's put this in the story. And then let's put that in the story and let's put that in the story. And none of them are really going to connect or make any sense, but it's mysterious enough because it's all supernatural and horror people will love it because I've already made all these other great films. And I'm just going to throw this one together. The $3 million budget is really obvious from the beginning. This is, this could be a stage play. It's a one room movie. Once they get to the house or the church or whatever the fuck it is that the, you know, they're in there and there's a few different rooms and that's it. So to me, it, it, the movie felt cheap from the beginning. Like Steve said, you know, he likes to, he doesn't tell you more than you need to know about your characters. I mean, the, what's the lead yeah. character's name? Brian, Brian. Brian. Yeah. Brian Marsh. Yeah. Yeah. It is Brian. Yeah. Brian Marsh. Okay. So he comes out of the class. The only scene's not at the house and he's, he's staring at the, the girl and the girl walks in and she walks out with another guy and he's just sitting there and looking at him. And then the next thing you know, he's hitting on her. And then the next thing you know, she's, she's sleeping in bed with him and he's about to tell her he loves her. And I'm just like, whoa, that took about two and a half minutes here. And you want me to buy First that? First of all, did you, know, well, Lathan, all. did you think he was actually going to tell her that he loved her? What did you think he was going to tell her? I thought he was going to make some pithy comment about relationships or something else. Really, because they're both physicists. I, I, I don't think he was going to tell her he loved her. That's not how it's set up, though. It's set up as if it's something everyone knows, including the audience, that someone would say at that point. And the most logical thing he would be saying is that he loves her. That's what okay. I, I think you, you you I think you got to cut her I mean, a little maybe. slack though because I mean she's she's oh. pretty much about to step into the gateway of hell and not be on earth anymore so I mean she doesn't have time for that I'm gonna well, cut her. but she doesn't know that she, she girl girls know she knows that's why she jumped into bed with that guy really quickly she's like look man i read i read the whole script all the way through i don't know if you did i'm not gonna be around too much longer let's just get this done with i'm sorry Nathan. go ahead no it's fine i, I i'm gonna cut her slack because i i prefer watching her for 140 minutes to, I mean, I, I, anytime she came on screen, I'm like, oh, thank God the redhead's back. Thank God for at least 30 seconds I get to stare at her. Yeah, I, I, I did not like this at all. I didn't think it worked. I was never scared. There was never any suspense with me. Whereas you guys find the score to be, you know, his scores to be an integral part of his films. They definitely work in films like, Halloween and the thing. Actually, he didn't do the score to the thing, right? Or he did part of it or whatever. That was Maracone. I was done, I was corrected on that last yeah, time. Yeah. It was Maracone. Right. So, but like in Halloween, it, it continues the whole film and it works. This, there's too much. I mean, you're covering up scenes that are empty with that music. I mean, just just utterly empty and I, I, I'm not buying it. It, I, it took me out of the film and I... You know, I get it. I know that's his signature, but it didn't work here. It's worked in other films he's done. And, you know, for this to be, what was his first film? Dark Star, yes. right? 
74? 76. No. <clears throat> so, okay. Early 70s, mid-70s, yeah. whatever. I mean, it felt like you're taking a giant step back here by not – I mean, his direction is fine in this. He, it, things look good. There's good shots, whatever. But there's no story here. And it, 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 this is another classic example of a film that needed a rewrite, and there's no – there's no rewrite here because at this point he's like, I'm going to make the film I want and he's going to write it and he's just going to go with it. I thought someone, when I was watching, I could have sworn it said someone else wrote this, but he wrote Written this. by Martin Quartermass, a pen name he used. That's why I didn't understand. Okay, so yes. it was him because I was going to blame <laughs> it on this Quartermass guy and said, this guy's garbage. And Carpenter should never work with that guy again. What he never could, again. <laughs> uh, yeah, out of, out of a script. But obviously, that was purely done as a trap <laughs> to trap me on this podcast 25 or 20, 33 odd, odd years later. Um, a long game. What else Carpenter plays a long here? game. That's right. I did like the fact that Christopher Nolan stole the end of Inception from this film. A lot of films end like this, though, don't they? With the. I mean, that, that, that literally, the ending of this as he's reaching for the mirror, spoiler, is that I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Previous 100 and, you know, uh, 19 or 99 minutes, no, but uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, you got the Linda Blair lookalike girl, okay, that's why she's cast. She looks just like Linda Blair. She just stares, the radiologist, you know. I don't. I don't know the actress's name, but she looked like she Linda did a little Blair. actually. You're right. I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't. You know, the, pick up on that, but yeah. The religion and science thing here. I mean, at no point in this film am I thinking, "Oh, science is going to triumph here and uh, overtake the religion." No, the, it's a movie about the Prince of Darkness coming to light and or coming to reality. Okay, so the science thing. Anytime they threw science in, I was just like, "Okay, the devil's trying to come." To, you know, to to emanate and, and be real, and you're trying to put this science mumbo jumbo in that doesn't make any sense with physics and tachyons and all that shit. Uh, I think Donald Pleasance is just wasted in this film, just absolutely wasted. <laughs> Sorry, scanning my list here. Um, trying to find out. I, I mean, why is it why is it so hard for the supreme? awful being known as Satan or the devil to have to go through mirrors and possessing people and doors and all these hard things to do in order to make it to our world. I mean, just, just show up. Okay. What was with him jumping out the window into the alley? And then he's like, Oh shit, that was a bad idea. And then he climbs back up. Well, what was that scene even for? Why was that I always felt that I always and felt that, that there was something clipped from that scene that probably like a conversation that they probably had that would have explained that a little better. Like maybe he maybe there was yeah. part of a plan and that for whatever reason, it either didn't get put back in or for brevity, it was just left out. I think you're meant to assume that the idea was that he was going to try and jump out and try and get out of there. And clearly he discovered that once he got out, that there was really nowhere for him to go. So. But otherwise, that scene serves no purpose to push the story forward. And it takes like a minute and a half. It's like, it, it, I don't know. It just felt like, oh, we'll make it suspenseful. Both sides of the alley are coming towards him, you know, and then 
what was the last thing I had? I know you're tired of hearing me bitch about this movie. Um, the oh yeah, okay. I'm sorry. The hole in the wall scene. All right. Oh boy. <sighs> okay, so at one point they're like, "It's going to take us hours to dig through this wall," and then she's taking this piece of thing with a metal thing on the end, and she's immediately she's through the part of the wall all the way to the brick in like 18 seconds. Okay. And then, you know, just the fact that they're, that the, the writer and they set it up that they were in rooms close to each other. And then eventually he just leaves the room to go around to the other side shortly after that. I just, Oh God, I just, I felt like I was watching a student film. That's what, that's the, that's the closest thing I can compare it to. I just, I really, I really disliked it. And I, I'm glad I watched it because now I have, now it, it's going to rank below Ghost of Mars. For wow. Me. I mean, I really, really, I wanted to like this film and I just, I, I couldn't find a way to like it. Except for the red. A lot, a lot of people do not like this movie. That's that's true. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't. Not, like I'm not being surprised. In the majority, John. I like being in the minority, <laughs> <laughs> which I usually am. So maybe it's nice once in a while to be in the majority. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I'm gonna enjoy being. Well, let me let me ask you a question, Lay. When you once you get to a certain point in a film and you you just you've discovered that you don't like a film, do you then search for all the reasons? that you could possibly find to dislike it and fo- and, 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 nope, and get, it becomes kind of almost like not, not tunnel vision, but almost a little more like a, like a, like bias. a, st- well, not necessarily bias, but like a state where you, you become so focused on what you don't like about it, that there's no way that you can actually just, just take it in and, and watch it for what it is. No, what I do is I look harder. I try and find stuff that especially like, you know, I'll give it. I'll give you the ending. The last, uh, I'll, and actually one other thing, that video message yes. and the way it's shot. That's really good. That's the other great thing in the movie. It's ominous. It's it feels separate from the film, and it's really good. Even though it's just some creepy guy, Satan standing in the doorway, and then it's her at the end. That stuff is great. That that was shot like. I mean, he thought of that and knew that would work, and that worked really well. And I really liked the last shot. I, my first thought was, oh, wow, that's the spinning top in Inception. That's really cool. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't give up. I, I kept looking for stuff. But you've got all these characters in different, like, uh, levels of being injured or they're reanimated. The guy in the parking lot, he's standing there. You know, it's just, it just felt like a mishmash. Like, he, there was no craft here it was just like well this guy's gonna cut his own throat with a wood chip and this guy's gonna turn into bugs and the one bond girl we haven't seen for a while is gonna uh i I don't know was she even pregnant or whatever the fuck happened to her she turned into like a you know she became the vessel the vessel okay yeah that's uh, for for him again she was the vessel for Satan, for the son of satan for the correct well theoretically well, the son of Satan. Well, here's the thing: okay. it's not about devil and Satan or anything else. It's 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 how it's how it's built as is is it's the anti god. It's not built as the devil or Satan. It's a it's a creature which is the opposite of God. That was the whole premise of it. It wasn't that it was about Satan per se. 
all the stuff we saw on the computer had no relationship to the Bible stories regarding Satan or Well, or uh, well the clearly there were because that would have been the interpretation because, of the, as we all know, as we sit here, the Bible is a bunch of stories and interpretations of things that were going on. But the idea is that this, this, this creature, whatever it is that's contained in this barrel or the essence of this creature, which is contained in this barrel is the, is just the opposite of God and Jesus. It's the, it's the, it's the opposite. He's just the, it's the mirror. Well, in John Milton's poem, Paradise Lost, he refers to Satan as the Prince of Darkness. Okay. So, I mean, if you're not making that analogy, that analogy may be wrong, but the common person is going to go into this and say, okay, this movie's about Satan. Uh, You're you're not wrong, but, I think I think so, who the Kelly character was was be, I, didn't she go to the mirror and say father you know so yes, that's yes technic- she is supposed to be the yeah, spawn right. who is going to re- and who is in the Linda Blair character who has possessed her she's she's, she's, just, just a, she's possessed by the same power that possessed the homeless people but on a more direct basis see the the homeless okay. people were possessed sort of on the periphery as always like. Because they were allowed once the once the power was locked down at the end, they all just walked away, like they like didn't know what was going on, and they just turned around and left. Whereas all the people in the house who had had direct consumption of the liquid and were animated or reanimated or whatever you want to call it were controlled by the substance. They all fell down, smoke came out their mouth, and they were they were done. They were gone. So like they what you know they were directly connected as opposed to the ones outside were just were just kind of being used as you know they were like the ants you know that they kept showing the ants on the TV and the ants so it's a hierarchy is what you're saying you got the low level zombies outside the building then you got the mid level zombies that ingest the water in the building then the Kelly character is the high level zombie that's going to have the son of Satan and then Satan is like the the leader of the pyramid scheme at the top who's on the other side of the mirror right who actually looking at the rubber hand that she grabs and starts to pull through the mirror is actually i think darkness from legend yep what does that mean i was <laughs> that's I was, the hand of, I, of the I, character of darkness? i was making a joke yes <laughs> oh well the hand looked really but dumb, the hand, so that the was hand a good does joke. look like oh my god <laughs> so so what's your what i want i want to know what the list of good things <laughs> was <laughs> The, the the end the end with the mirror oh, okay. and the hot redhead. Oh. <laughs> I mean that that she honestly. I mean I, I I read about her. Did you read the story about her? Yeah. And how she died. She yeah. just they found her in bed and she yeah. had she had some weird disease and yeah. she she won an Academy Award for sh- producing a short film and yeah I I, I think she's oh, like stunning. I didn't watch. know that. Like I'm surprised she wasn't in more yeah. stuff. Yeah, Lisa so. Blount. Yeah, so that was that was uh, that was a good thing. His direction was good at times, you know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people like this film, and and I can see why it's a cult classic. It it didn't do it for me. It just didn't. It okay. didn't didn't resonate. So that's, that's fair it's enough. My my stupid opinion. So. <laughs> so your opinion's not stupider than any of ours. It's you don't like no, it. No, it's not. I mean, it's, I mean, it's my. If you have a choice of opinions, mine's one of them. <laughs> that that is correct. <laughs> that makes more sense. So the uh, I am glad I saw it though because I uh, it's one of those movies that was on my list in my movies to watch book that I collected over 
you know, for a long, long time. <laughs> right. And that's been at the top of the P's. So that one's finally off the list. And that makes me feel good because I like to categorize things. Right on. John, John, literally, I'm being facetious, but you have no idea how good it feels to cross things off lists. (laughs) One interesting thing I did find about this, uh, that apparently, so I have never seen this version of it. May John, maybe you have, but there was a a re-edited TV version that plays of this movie that they remove all mentions of the dead priest, all mentions of the Brotherhood of Sleep that took care of the church. That guy's never mentioned. All that's pulled out of the movie. And the entire thing is played off as a dream that Jameson Parker is having. Who's Jameson Parker? Brian Marsh. Oh. They, hmm. they, 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 they re-edit in that. scenes of him sleeping throughout the course of the film. And this whole thing is played out Holy as a crap. dream that he has. And then he wakes up and tries to touch the mirror. And he wakes up and tries to touch the mirror. Wow. Well, that already sounds better. (laughs) Uh, And one other thing that was good is whatever effect he used for the cylinder, obviously something rotating, but it always looked good. Oh. The oh yeah okay the whatever material he had in there with the light yeah or whatever. that was that was well done I every time I saw that I was like wow this is 1987 and that looks great because you know it's not CG because yeah, you know because yeah. well, you know I it's mean, a you know honestly, it's a real I effect didn't. I was thinking you know maybe it's like a Ghostbusters thing or I don't know I I didn't I couldn't really tell which means they did a good job I, I thought it looked like a real effect I thought it just looked like a backlit material that he had some kind of thing in there spinning in order to make the water in the tank, you know, whirlpool. I didn't or whatever. think of it as water. I thought it was like protoplasm or something. It was, it was well done. Dishwashing soap, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it was, it worked right. Laundering the devil. Yeah. Washing the devil, making him clean. So uh, <laughs> I guess that's Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Have fun editing that. Well, we're done for the night, right, Steve? Interesting segue. <laughs> well, well, Latham, as luck would have it, no. Why are we not done for the night? Because there's still one place we need to go. Oh, my God. Where's that? Guys. Down the tubes. <laughs> oh. And again, the Internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Oof. You see what I go through, John? You see it? That's easy. <laughs> What time is it? Oh, 1142. How wonderful. All right. So you'll all open your textbooks to the page one. (laughs) We will start with Prince of Darkness. And uh, it's funny. Something I just noticed about this poster that I'd never, I've never noticed before. That is it's that, terrible. Well, the, yeah, I mean, the, it really is. It the, made me not want to see the movie. In all that there's a <laughs> back, there, back when it came out. Not, well, there's a yeah. spider in his mouth. Oh yeah. You didn't see it. No. And clearly this guy is, I'm, he looks to be. Who is it? I, I guess not, that's the guy a, from the parking lot. I don't. That got no, stabbed to death and then with bugs. I don't think it's anybody from the movie. This guy looks like an extra from Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't relate at all. It's I, a really that's, weird. That's the guy sitting next to the art director who did the 
the uh, the poster design. Yeah. In his office. Here, put this plastic spider in your mouth. Well, honestly, what yeah, is I, Carpenter? I, what does he know about poster design? He had um, I'm sure he didn't. He had it. Drew Struzan as his poster designer, and Struzan gave him a picture of a guy in a snowsuit with shards coming out of his face. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Perfect." <laughs> uh, he wasn't happy about that. We've gone I mean, what's his it. best poster? Probably. Well, we don't want to open that can of worms now. Never mind. This doesn't represent his movie at all. I never, I never liked this poster. And another thing that I don't like about this is that it looks way too close to the uh, In the Mouth of Madness poster. You can tell the yeah. same, the same person designed these two because it's the same, you know, warping effects on on a photo. I mean, the image is so everything is so bad about it. Like the the, the clouds are not blended correctly. There's yeah. a field of black. The, the shirt, that's not even... Is that a proper representation of their church? No. It doesn't even seem... No. So it's... Well, so it's like... Well... I guess it's supposed to be the devil down. underground. I guess that's a doorway. He's supposed to be Satan uh, underground and trying really to get through the... Traveling up the goo channel yeah, to the, the church. Yeah, the goo channel. <laughs> Munching on a spider. I'm taking goo street... Yeah, uh, it's awful. It's uh, it's not great. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't even. I don't like it. I, I'm not even considering it. San <laughs> sneaks and I don't like it. For this. Good job, uh, Asan. Nice one, buddy. Nice. I'm a devotee, man. <laughs> that is my world philosophy now. Oh, what the fuck is going on with my lack of well, whatever? Well, whatever. <laughs> It gets it gets an officially a whatever. Anyway, so so next is uh, the French poster, which is France de Tenebrae. It's equally as awful. Um, it's yeah, it's not. Uh, it's... We got a baked bean girl up at the top. I mean, I just don't like this poster. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, what was it's, up it's... with warping photos at in yeah. this time period? Yeah, that yeah. Was... Must have been a new thing. Maybe this was early, early digital or something. I don't know. 1984. Yeah. It was. This. This is all. Um, this. This is all photography trickery. Well, plus you know? two. It's like this yeah. shot of Jameson yeah. Parker isn't even from the film. It's like this weird sort of like production or like production still or promotional still of him like standing in the yeah. stairwell against the wall, and it's like I remember yeah, that's I remember that stairwell. Because I remember watching Peter Jason come up it, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't ever remember this actually being in the film. It's just it's a weird, it's just weird. Uh, not quite as weird as the next one from Thailand, uh, but yeah, this ooh. this poster is proof that this movie is all over the fucking place. <laughs> um, He's holding the axe with two hands. Well, so apparently and, and, this is a this is a spoiler for the end because uh, <laughs> apparently they got her out of the mirror. Well, because and I don't I, I don't know if it's just me, but does the guy with the axe look? <clears throat> it looks like Isaac Hayes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we have white Sam Loomis back at the back, two guy, two people behind him, uh, blessing somebody. But uh, it does yeah. look like Isaac Hayes. <laughs> um, it does. I, it it really does. Great call, Stevie. I'm going to drop Oof. an axe on your ass. <laughs> 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 Do 
devil, you stay back there. You're not coming into my world. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for that. I can't. Yeah, I'm not. I, that's I, why I, I'm not commenting. I, 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 appre- <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, pal. Yeah. <laughs> John Black hatted. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Carolco logo in the bottom corner? Yeah. There? Yeah. It, it was on the French poster as well. Huh. Because that's uh, universal in the States, right? Uh, yeah. This said universal at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. For distrib- it was distributed by Universal. Even though this is part of the uh, the Studio Canal bundle now. Right. When did Carolco go? Bye-bye? Oh, God. I don't know. I had, to, I had to look up uh, Canon films for somebody the other day about where all where their catalog is at. Their whole catalog is, for the most part, at MGM. So oh. I had a comic book artist hit me up and say, dude, I'd really love to do comics based on Cobra. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, I go, don't take this the wrong way. I go, but I don't think you even need to bother getting a license for that. I think you could just do it. And they'd probably be excited that somebody was excited about doing Cobra comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, please do. Please, please. Marion Cobretti. <laughs> Marion Cobretti. Next is one of two Japanese posters. Oh, man. Which, you know, well, which all well, of these are going to be bad, aren't they, Steve? <laughs> yeah, not, not, until no. we get, not until we get to the artist posters. Then. This is the best of the bunch so far. Yeah, so far. It's got more it's got the most elements of the film in it. Oh, not that obscure half, elements. Not that half scissors. I don't know where that's from. That's from the the, the homeless lady stabs yeah. the guy in oh, the parking lot. Oh shit, that's right. That's right. How could you forget that scene? The the ad campaign, if I'm not mistaken, the the uh the some of the T V ads, they focused on that stuff to try and make you think it was a uh, slasher, slasher film right yeah right which is the same thing they did with nightbreed right well they oh, took yeah. they took some of the elements from that poster and they put them slightly modified into the next poster okay yeah, what's up and, with the headless priest thing and also they had called <laughs> the film and had, they also had called the film paradigm yeah hmm. interesting so and awful yeah. <laughs> Interesting and not good. Interesting <laughs> and still a very hard combo to attain. I and still, say. I don't want to look at it. Uh, <laughs> so, so next is our first artist poster by Andrew Barr. That's not bad for, at especially least... for being outside of like the color range of most of what you see for Prince of Darkness stuff, which is black and green. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. to see a to see a a, a land of ice and fire version uh, is. Uh, is much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is a better poster. I, the The line "You will not be saved by the god plutonium." <laughs> I forgot about that. That's just come on, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's again. It, 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 you have to get a little deeper into it because it's they're referring to Pluto, not plutonium. Oh, you mean it's something I missed in this film? <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh-huh. Moving on, a shot by a poster right, let's, by. Let's take a look at Chris Butler. Okay, here we go. okay. All right, now this one is a little bit uh, better, I would say. 
Really? Uh, <laughs> you would say that's better? I mean, obviously this was the Christmas version of Prince of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Prince of Christmas. <laughs> Prince of Christmas. I hate that guy. <laughs> Here is the key to, uh, you know, the ghost of Christmas. All the gifts in the basement. Ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> it's like uh, Alice Cooper needs a Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, apparently Alice Cooper went to he had asked John if he could go to the set because his manager was the one producing the film. So Oh, uh, uh, Chef Gordon, right? Yeah, he was involved with the live films, I think. And right. so so Alice had asked if he could go to watch them do like one of the special effects on the film and John eventually just ended up offering him the role of uh of the lead home lead homeless guy. The what do they call him street schizo, I think they call him. Street, street schizo, yeah. So, and at first, I, well, I, I didn't. I'm like, is that Alice Cooper? <laughs> it was, no. like, and then, he'll, and then, right. and then, and then his song is playing on the headphones of the nerdy, the first nerdy guy who gets killed by the impaling bicycle trick that Alice yeah. used to use on stage. Uh, I actually saw Alice Cooper uh, in concert. I think it was either right before, or right after this came out. He used that bike, uh, the half bike, as a prop on yeah, stage. He that's where it comes from. On stage with that thing. That's where it comes from. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Okay. He used to use that on stage. John saw it and told him, "Told him I want to use that in my next uh, film. I want to use that trick in my next movie." See, piecing it together. Gotcha. So uh, next is Gareth Gibson. Uh, all right. Uh, doesn't doesn't give you a whole lot, but. I don't like it. It's the uh, the logo on Donald's head. It's a little. It's bugging me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely should have been a little more space there. It should have been uh, yeah, clipped yeah. above yes. it at least. Like yes. this is this is the St. Patrick's Day version of Prince of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Short and big order. It's going to be the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, it's so meat and potatoes time. Ne next is a poster <laughs> by God Machine. I mean, it it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. It just the con. I don't know. It's just you sort of know who all these people are, but at least someone's putting the hot redhead in the poster for once. I mean, how the <laughs> fuck have you not figured that out by now? Oh, here's some axes. I mean, look at the, look at the corners. Here's some upside down crosses, and eh, we'll put the axes in the other corners. Why not? That's right. <laughs> And it kind of gives away the secret ending a little bit too. No, well, a little bit. Yeah, well, we've unless that. that's a penis. Mm, no. Okay. But we've covered that before that these aren't actual film posters. Uh, so next is Gokaiju. And I talk about a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for sure. Right. I mean, they're they're really like that line. You will not be saved by the whole. Yeah, man. Yep. I just think that uh, people right. latched onto it. Yeah, they did. Yep. Like a freight train. Like the little, uh, the little, the little Doctor Loomis or uh, Father Loomis there at the bottom, <laughs> looking up longfully at the church. You know, wistfully, a little, a little bit like. Uh, Damien looking, Damien Karras looking up at the house in the exorcism. Yeah. Hmm. 
so next is the uh, cover of the, I believe it was the Shout Factory release with Jason Osborne yep, doing so the artwork. Far. Yeah, this is Holy fantastic. Shit. Yeah, best one so far. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's very detailed and everyone looks the way they're supposed to. And, <laughs> it's got I mean, the red No head. spoilers. No spoilers. And, you know, this would make me want to go see this film. And, and also it, make it, me angry after seeing it. But I mean, <laughs> as you say, it would, tri- it would trick you into seeing it. Exactly. It, it would. But the quote's like, not there. The fucking coolest thing ever. And at least the, at least the quote is not there. That's right. Um, even the little computer oh, girl, the little computer. I mean, it's, yeah, this is, this got everything. <laughs> it's, this guy missed nothing. Good job, Jason Osborne. <laughs> uh, next is John Rooney. <sighs> I mean, the hand looks rubber and fake, even in the painting. <laughs> the devil's hand. That's hard to do, you know. <laughs> but I, I do like the, uh, the detailed. I like the, I like the line work on, on the art. Mm-hmm. I like the line work done, especially the close up on the girl's face. I like that a lot. Not bad. Not bad at all. I don't mind this one. Uh, hey, can next, we, can we, do we have that recorded? Yes. And next okay. is, uh, next is, uh, one of uh, Matt Ferguson did a series of four posters, uh, for the studio canal collection, which is Prince of darkness. They live the fog and escape, escape from New York, escape from New York. Um, so Matt Ferguson did a, a series of four posters that all work to not, not necessarily that work together, but, um, all visually similar, <clears throat> but that really represent the four films. And this is his, uh, his Prince of Darkness piece. I, I, I like this piece a lot. See, now, I've seen a different version of this. I love the artwork in this, but the composition is off. Yeah. And he, I've seen he, another version. I think, I think he the did British them two quad different, version. He did them. Yes. He did a British quad series as well. That's the series. <laughs> yeah. I actually, that's the series I actually own. I own the, I own okay. the horizontally set set. Now I think the composition on that one is far yes. superior to this one. I agree, I agree, uh, I agree. Actually, on all four of them, and I think it's just because going approaching it from a little bit more of a landscape view, his the the elements that he built. I think that's probably the way he built the elements originally, and then yep. then he made vertical versions out of them, mm-hmm. and just made things work where he could. But you know, still a solid piece. It's a good rep- good likeness yep. of uh, of Loomis, and uh, like the colors. <laughs> Loomis. Yeah. yeah. Always Loomis. Always Loomis. Uh, Matt <laughs> Talbot. He's calling him Loomis because he can't remember what he was called in this guy. He's named the priest. He's the called movie. the priest. He's not he's named. He's just called the priest. That's yeah. right. So he's Loomis. He's, he's Father Loomis the Priest. He's Father Such and Such. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. They should call him Ancillary. Yeah. <laughs> Next is uh, this is Nathaniel Marsh's cover for the Shout Factory Steelbook series. It's not bad. It's on par with their the previous one. I mean, in, in detail at least. And yeah, it's a, good, it's a good picture. Yeah, there's the the back side of the Steelbook. I didn't put the whole the entire image, but the back side of the Steelbook. The, this room shot continues for the back of the steel book. So all the text and all the miscellaneous stuff about the DVD oh. itself on the back side of the steel book is over like the empty room with the equipment and stuff 
behind, mm-hmm. you know, it just continues out to the left, but it was, uh, I think this is one of those pieces that looks really good at, at size, mm-hmm. but if you blow it up, you start right. seeing it come the, apart. Yeah. 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 So next was uh, Sam Smith, the did singer. A, no, uh, did a did a piece uh, that was done as a mock up for a uh, an album set, an LP set. Which interestingly enough, he pulled the Sun and Moon two thousand and one image out of there. I think what I don't like about this is I don't like the fact that I can see the edges of the head through the streams coming up from the eyes. I think those should have obscured those mm. in those strips, but that's just me. Yeah. I was hoping it was Sam Smith, the singer. Cause then I would say stick to singing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and next is Simon Delart. Oh, that's not bad. Interesting. The poly, the polygon. Yeah, uh, he 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 does a lot of work in this polygon style, but I think it's super it's super interesting because if you look at the way he did the three main characters, which is very typical of him, it's like for the girl with the chopped up face. He literally like turned all the polygons in the opposite direction of which they would normally be in order to make her face smooth. So it ended up being really effective for her face. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, interesting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you you like or don't like that style. I'd say that's a simple, that's a binary thing. You either dig it or don't dig it. That's, you know, I understand. I don't like it. And he doesn't <laughs> and he doesn't do all of his pieces like this too. He works in Simon works in a lot of different styles cuz he's done pieces for us that were just straight straight ahead artwork that that's non-digital, non not this polygon style. So I, I, we never talked about his mustache. I mean, that's one of the best mustaches I've ever seen too. <laughs> it's just a perfect mustache. A it's perfect. funny how fa- we we are adverse to facial hair these days. Like it, it, you don't notice it until you watch a movie, and like that's your star. You just gonna let him sit there with that mustache on his face? Like <laughs> it's just you know because like in today, even the mustache in movies are dynamic. Like they're like someone's got this like like um what's his name uh sam sam elliott type oh, you know oh, mustache right. like when he's you know that over that overcome the 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 top of the mouth That's nobody right. has this these little you know these little trim cut hair like what are you doing man let that thing grow <laughs> i mean that that would be a great twist ending if his mustache was suddenly like a satanic oh, caterpillar, boy. and it crawled <laughs> off his face into the mirror. And tell me that's not a better <laughs> ending than the one you got, okay? Satanic caterpillar. Just like you're in, just he's sleeping in bed, and the redhead just like the, eats it or something. The, sat- the satanic caterpillar is going to go onto the list <laughs> along with the box that eats Nazis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they work in tandem. That's right. <laughs> Oh, next is Sister Hyde. Uh, All right. That's the first abstract one that, that's visually appealing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you want to know more at this point, I think. 
kind of repeated the image with the fence at the bottom left and right. Yes, he did. And uh, that's, oh yeah, that's cheesy and lazy. And you could have done way better. It's I mean, just easy. remove that, and you got a fence. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you don't need that. What what is that behind it? I, looks well, it's like not a repeated. Space. It's the two halves of the gate. One gate is partially closed, and the other one no, is all you're, the way, and all the one is at, all the way open. Look at the extreme is end. The far, the far right and left. Lower There's left, lower shape. right, Stevie. Looks like someone sitting on a step, but it's the same oh, image. Oh, 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 I got you. I got you. It looks like a sphinx. Like, you can't see the head of the sphinx. But you it can does see a little bit. It's like a hooded sphinx. Yeah, it's like, okay, I can't go any further. Uh, and next <laughs> is a piece by Vance Kelly. <clears throat> oh, that's Fantastic. Best yeah, one. That's, that's, right that's, here. that's a really good one, yes. That's, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's pretty far. good. That should have been the movie poster. That's That's really... He's even I got agree. the uh, the crucified dove. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was yep. kind of cool when you saw that. See, this yep. lets you know a little what you're in for, right? It tells, it yep. gives you all the elements. It's not misleading you, but it still is ambiguous enough for you for you it to be intriguing. You yep. know? And mm-hmm. if you know the movie, it all the all the all the little gags work. Yes. Yep. Yeah, this is the best. Oh, yeah, one. all the crosses. All the crosses in the background, yeah. On the, the wall uh, in the basement. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. I want this. Uh, you can still find them. They're not. Uh, they're not yeah. hideous. They're not hideously expensive. Uh, and then this final one is by Walter Pax. Yeah. It's a little busy. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little busy. <laughs> Try looking at it on LSD and you'll see busy. I can see my up. house from here. I mean, I see a bicycle in this thing, and I don't remember yep. a bicycle in all damn movie. Okay. Oh, what we just fuck? said that that's the, the bike. Got impaled on it. What are you talking about? Oh, right, right. I, I forgot about that because I hated that scene. That's why I forgot about the bicycle. Oh, okay. okay. There wasn't any spiders in this movie. Yeah, why I, is there? Uh, yeah, Why is it spider head? Yeah. Tentac- What's with the spiders? And, and tentacles. This you is know. just yeah, basically general. He's got a very, got a very Cthulhu-esque thing going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it exactly. Mm. General satanic evil all over the place. Uh, and I don't know why on the upper left is Sid Haig is in this poster, but what? he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I know who he is. As well you should. I mean, <laughs> there's a chance I wouldn't, so I'm happy that I and did. And an absolute, he was, a, he was an absolute sweetheart, man. That guy was. That guy, guy this was, year, right? Yeah. Yeah. There were maybe late last year. I don't know. I'm not sure what man was this year. It feels like it was this year during COVID. He, he was, he was, he's bigger than me. He was like 6'6", six, six, dude. That guy was. was that like, tall? Yeah, he oh, was, wow, dude, he was, that. that was a big dude. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. Six five maybe, but I know I know he, I was in the elevator with him, and I know he was taller than I was because his head was five like eleven. His head was taller, and I looked him almost in the eye. <laughs> okay, wow. All right, well, that means it's time for us to enjoy the martini, uh, which we uh, we've we already did. done this martini. We and well, we have we've done this martini a couple of times uh, actually. Uh, speaking of John Carpenter, but most recently, a couple weeks ago with Ben Templesmith, we did it for The Thing. 
Uh, I'm interested to hear John's uh, hierarchy of carpet. Yeah. So, so what we what we do, John, is uh, we we discuss where this film lands in your ranking of this director's films. So let's. So you. So your your top five Carpenter films, essentially. Uh, I'd have to say Prince of Darkness is one. Uh, okay. The Thing, Halloween. Uh, put me on the spot here. <laughs> no, you're, uh, never, you're never really. You're never really held to it for any real yeah, length of they time. They live. Yeah. And uh, Christine. <laughs> There's six, so I'll take it. Wow, Christine. Oh. Christine's a great movie. Never it really, it, it's a great, it's a great King adaptation too. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal adaptation of that book. Oh, oh man, yeah. are you kidding? What? I've never <laughs> seen it, man. What? No, I didn't realize that was a Carpenter film. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh. <laughs> like, there goes there goes my bona fides right there. God damn it. Nice. Um, well, nice. Listen, yeah. anyone, anyone. That is who, a. Uh... I remember. I remember Christine. I remember asking my uncle about that. Where I was in my grandparents' house, and he was talking about. He's always talking about these. And he was talking about it as a book, and the movie was coming out, but he had already right. read the book because he sure. And then you know, I I very snidely said, "Well, that's stupid. All you have to do is stay inside. Car can't get you inside." He goes, <laughs> and my uncle said very simply, "Mr. King thought of that." So he, you know, it was very, it's very, yeah, you'd think it, you'd think that would work. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's the same with Jaws. Just stay inside, you yeah. know, like. Don't go no. in the water. Yeah, it doesn't, it's it doesn't a quite. shark. Yeah, you're on an island. There's not going to be a lot of circumstances where, and this kid's a mechanic. First of all, he's surrounded by mechanics. He's, you know, he's an aspiring uh, 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 grease monkey himself. There's no way he's going to be able to stay away from this you know, gorgeous car that speaks to him and tells him he's wonderful and sparkling. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. mistreated and a supernatural car comes along and says, hey, you know what? You're the best. And he's that's oh, right. Yeah, I am. That's right. And it puts um, itself back together. And I mean, think of all the money he saved. On oh, my God. And- <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, really, it needed to. I mean, if you're going to go out and cause that much damage to yourself all the time, you need to be able to put yourself back together. I mean, that's just a that's almost a gimme. Um, John Lee's favorite Carpenter film. Is it Ghost of Mars? Um... Obviously, I'd have to say the ward. Yeah, the ward. When's that? What year is that? 19, Most recent, I believe. Nineteen, no, two, 1999? 2000? No, it's, that's that's like probably 2000-2009 or something. Wow, it's way more recent. That's his last his last feature. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the last thing he's. But doing. it was like he didn't write it, he didn't do the music. It was he just directed it. Right. Oh yeah, uh, it's not not well liked. No, not overall. Amber Heard's in it. Yes, Maybe she's that's the, where she went nuts. She's the lead. Yeah, 2010. <clears throat> Jared Harris is in it though, the savior possibly of it. <laughs> Preacher Jared Harris is a treasure. I, I have to say I have not I, I and I, I I'm I'm gonna take a hit for this, but I have not seen Escape from LA. 
but I hear that's what? pretty. Uh, I hear that's pretty what awful. The fuck? It is pretty yeah. awful. It's awful, but it it is Escape from New York. It's literally the same movie. Okay, yeah, right down to right down to certain ridiculous towards the end, but yeah, the surfing, the surfing thing, thing is like okay, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it it's true, but I mean, it's almost beat for beat the same movie. It's just just updated it is, updated it circumstances, right down to the point where he meets someone in the middle of the in the middle of the city with, that he knew that ends up helping him, you know, right to the you know towards the end of the film. It's like it's uncanny. Actually, I don't. I don't know. My least favorite films of his, I might put Village of the Damned. That's a tough one. The only the only thing about that is I I like watching that movie simply because it's got Christopher Reeve in it and he's still walking around and I I dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, like Superman and see yeah. Well, I know, I know. I can watch Superman, but it's you know it's fun to watch him in non-Superman roles. Maybe just Death Trap. Death Trap's good. He can yeah. act. People like people are like, oh yeah, he's just. Uh, you can act. Street yeah. smart. But I should say he could act. Yes, he used to be able to act very well, but not 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 so much lately. <clears throat> this took a turn. <laughs> right? <laughs> I gotta stop one second. <laughs> I I I've got uh you know, I I would put I, I don't know, in my top five things that Carpenter's ever directed, you know, and I I think when we went through this before because we were focusing on feature films, but I think that I would have to knock something out of there for because of cigarette burns. That's that may be one of my favorite things he's ever done. I don't know what that is. I gotta go back and watch that. It's his episode of Ma- it's his episode of the first season of Masters of Horror. Oh, okay. Right. And it's I, it's I, I saw it back back when it first aired, but I I don't really and I know remember he didn't, it being fantastic. Oh it's it's hands down my favorite my favorite episode of Masters of Horror. And then, mm-hmm. and then his episode for the second season is one of my least favorite episodes. Oh, so go figure. Okay. Which one? Which episode was that? Pro life. The girl oh. in the abortion clinic. Oh, that's horrible. That episode's horrible. <laughs> yeah, there's I just there's it. just there's just, just not just, just not a lot to it. There's not a lot to it, and there's like a lot. I mean, some of the circumstances, some of the scenes are so unnecessary. Like, yeah. what is this? You know, but um, yeah. Without getting into too much detail, but I will argue that while 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 cigarette burns is my favorite episode of Masters of Horror, I think the best episode of Masters of Horror in and of itself has to be Mike's imprint. No, I I gotta see this series. So it was originally aired on Showtime. It was there, you know. Mick Garris put this together. You got all these gollies directors. You know, Joe Dante did an episode. Toby Hooper did an episode. Mick did an episode. Argento. Obviously, Argento did an episode. All all these all these well known directors from the seventies, eighties, and nineties were all brought in to do hour long mini horror films. Essentially, is Mick and, Garris the guy who directed Lord of the Flies remake? I don't know. Am I remembering that right? Maybe I'm not. It's Go possible. Ahead, keep he he did a bunch of made-for-TV Stephen King adaptations. That's kind of where he t- cut his teeth originally. Did he do the Langoliers? Yes. Uh, that's yep. what I'm Oof. remembering. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up great. No, it does not. <laughs> it doesn't hold up uh, a balsa wood garage. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> Balky losing his mind over uh, yeah over, over two hour period is, uh, yeah. is not, oh my is, god he directed he's, critters he's, to the main course he stabs a little girl and she survives for like the next two hours like yes. slowly bleeding out like yes kinda... <laughs> uh, not not he, to give it away <laughs> he did Sleepwalkers too one of the most awful films I've ever seen in my life yeah it's bad um, there was a lot to it though very interesting it would have made a great book if only. He yeah. had a role in Critters 2, the main course. He was the voice of the Critters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what I, I don't doubt it. You know, I mean, Vin Diesel was Groot. What do you want? Well, I know, but back then, I mean, <laughs> the Critter was a hard creature to, you know, train to have the voice. Oh, who am I kidding? It's fucking joke. They, they didn't speak. No, they it's, growled. You have to get made... the growl right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get growl right i think you do i think you know (laughs) critters would be my guilty pleasure for sure if i was ever a guest on my own show oh he did amazing stories he did something oh no he wrote no he did direct it i'm sure he did he was involved in a lot of that genre television freddy's nightmares yeah oh the stand he directed four episodes of the stand miniseries the original one which yeah. I think is not given enough credit. Latham, do you? Uh, there's a great podcast that's out now that just covers Stephen King adaptations. Yep, I heard about it. Kingcast. Yep, I've heard about it. It's fucking phenomenal. It's fucking phenomenal. Hmm. They started. Uh, they launched. I think the week before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're not so popular. We got overshadowed by these guys. <laughs> Joke. Hey, Time we got. Hey, we just hit a. We just hit a plateau. A thousand downloads. You're kidding, really? No. No. Oh. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that sounds like a bad horror movie. Thousand downloads. <laughs> oh, Hassan, oh, you pretty little liar! You big baby. I'm waiting for this. Uh, <laughs> this great exchange of the minds to end, so that we can get back to the story. <laughs> what? What? To get back to what? To get back to the cre- To get back to the uh, the outro. Is that what you're waiting for? Oh, black-hatted. Yeah. Thank then... you for uh, to our uh, sponsors <laughs> of the show, Black Hat Entertainment. <laughs> black hat or black cat? Black hat. So... I do have a black cat, though. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for joining us this evening. As always, thank you. I, uh, it's been fun, guys. I appreciate your... Uh, you're John's lying. A little bit of time. John's and, like, and, this has not been fun. And and please, uh, <laughs> please, please apologize to your lovely wife for us uh, stealing away your evening. He's like, I came on this show and these guys trashed my movies for like. <laughs> I know. <and> a half <laughs> I'll tell you what: it, it, the ratio of how much I dislike the movie to how much I like the podcast is the greatest with this one. If that matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That well, I need. It. I, I really enjoy it. So thanks to Fesleyan Studios for our intro music. Get your own uh, cool music at fesleyanstudios.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. As always, you can listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major, so- major social media accounts at Cinemental Pod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, 
John J. Hill and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and fellow Triskaidekaphobiac, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Boing. That's the fear of yeah. the number 13. That's correct, sir. <laughs>